Esther, chapter 3, we're introduced to a man named Haman, and we find that Ahasuerus promotes him, advances him, and puts his seat above all the princes that were with him. Now here's the king. He represents the soul of man. All decisions that he makes affect all the provinces. Just as our mind, which is part of our soul, affects our entire body, so does the king's decisions affect the provinces. So the king represents the soul, the provinces represent the body, and the spirit is represented by Esther, who is controlled by her cousin Mordecai, who represents the Holy Spirit. Now, we have Ahasuerus as someone who is, in the New Testament, just born again. And as soon as the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, trouble shows up. Now, that's not to frighten you, but when trouble shows up, it shows up for two reasons. First, to show you the power of God, and second, to reveal to you your weakness and how much you need his power and his strength. So why does it tell us that Haman was an Agite? That must be important. But who in the world are those people? So we go back into the book of 1 Samuel, and we find a real interesting, funny story about the Amalekites. And that's who this Haman was. And they were bitter enemies of the Jewish people. So let's go back for our lesson today and get a little background on this man, Haman. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, we see that Samuel the prophet went to Saul and told him that the Lord had told him to be anointed as king over the people, over Israel. Therefore, hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Samuel the prophet was told by God to make Saul king over Israel. And then, thus says the Lord of hosts, I remember Amalek, what he did to Israel. He laid wait for them when they came up out of Egypt. Now, here's the first command that Saul is given by God as the king of Israel. You go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has. Spare not. Kill men and women, infants, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. Now, that is a pretty strong command. You go and you get rid of the enemies. Now, before we proceed, as we study this parable, God wants us to get rid of all the enemies that we have faced or that we face now. And Saul gathered the people together and he numbered them, 200,000 and footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. They came to the city of Amalek, and they wait in the valley. 
And Saul said, you go, depart. Get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you. He said this to the Kenite, because the Kenites had showed favor to the children of Israel. Remember, if you bless Israel, God will bless you. If you curse Israel, God will curse you. So here's a group of people called the Kenites, and they showed mercy to Israel. And God had them brought out from among the Amalekites for protection. So they departed. And Saul killed the Amal Amal Amalekites. But he took Agag, the king, alive. He destroyed all the people, but Saul and the people spared the king, Agag, and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But they killed everything that was vile and refuse. Now, what did God do? God said, you go and get rid of all of them. But Saul reasoned, oh, these aren't bad, so we just keep these. And then the Lord spoke to Samuel, and he said, it repents me that I have set Saul to be king. Repent means to change your mind. I've changed my mind. I'm sorry I chose him. He's turned back from following me. He didn't perform my commandments. He did, but he partially performed. And partial obedience is not good enough. God wants complete and absolute obedience. When he tells us to do something, he means for us to do it. And Samuel was grieved and he cried unto the Lord. And when Samuel got up to go meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and he set up a place. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said, Blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandments that you told me to. Can't you see him? I did what you said. And Samuel said, This is what's so funny. Then what is the bleeding of the sheep I hear in mine ears? And the lowing of the oxen, if you killed all of them, where'd you get these sheep and these ox? And Saul said, oh, they brought them from the Amalekites. The people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord, but the rest we utterly destroyed. Now, how typical is that of humanity? Oh, I didn't do it. I went down and did what God told me to. Well, you see, the people, they brought them all out. He was blaming somebody else for his lack of total obedience. And then Samuel said to Saul, will you stay here? And I'm going to go pray. That's what he meant. I'm going to go talk to the Lord. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight, were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel? You were a humble man. You saw your need for strength from God, and he made you king. He anointed you, and the Lord sent you on a journey. He said, go utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them. 
Wherefore then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? But you did flop in the spoil and evil in the sight of the Lord. And then look what Saul said to Samuel. Oh, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone the way the Lord sent me. And I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But again, he said it was the people who did it. They took the sheep and the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Oh, my goodness. And now we have a little thing added to the story. Oh, you understand, the people did it. They were going to come and sacrifice these animals to the Lord. And then Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of lambs. God is far more interested in our being obedient than what we do or give up for him. And then here's a key verse for the rest of our life. Verse 23 in 1 Samuel 15. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. You rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you for being king. So God took away Saul's power as king because he chose to sacrifice over obedience. Now, why do we read that story? Well, had they done everything that God told them to do, Haman would not exist. But Haman does exist. And here we find him a descendant of the Amalekites, a descendant of Agag, the king that Saul spared. And he becomes the enemy still of the Jewish people. Haman represents the old sin nature that remains in us. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the power of God available to us. But we have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world causes us to lust for things and places and power. The lust of the flesh, we lust after adultery, fornication, lying, deceit. All the description we're given in the New Testament of the work of the flesh. And then Satan is our enemy. And he does not want us to believe what God says. So here we have the enemy, the flesh, showing up after Ahasuerus has received Esther as his queen. And then back in chapter 3 of Esther, verse 2, all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman. 
here we have Haman, the big enemy of the Jews, being adored and bowed and worshipped. The king had commanded people to do that. But Mordecai is not going to bow nor do him reverence. The Spirit of God has nothing to do with the sinful nature of man. He never bows or yields to it. So the king's servants, which were in the gate, said unto Mordecai, Why do you break the law that the king commanded? Transgress the law. It came to pass when they spoke unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, they ran and told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand. For he had told them that he was a Jew. So Mordecai has now confessed that he's Jewish, one of those captured and brought back to Babylon. And he's not about to bow to Haman, the flesh. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then Haman was full of wrath. And that's why when we become a Christian, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And until the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, you just don't have that fight because the flesh is in complete control of the human body until it's invaded by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now, Haman sought to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai, wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. So we stop our lesson today in chapter 3, verse 6 of Esther. And what has happened? Ahasuerus now has the Holy Spirit in him and the flesh rises up to make war. Just as we said, the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. So Haman has decided to get rid of all the Jews. Remember this one beautiful woman that is now the queen is a Jew, but the king doesn't know it. So we'll pick up our story next time and see what happens and compare it to what happens to those of us that have received Christ as our Savior and become indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The war has just begun, but it's a war for the Lord to fight, not you and me. But we have to be aware of the enemies that God wants us to destroy, and we have to be willing to turn from those things, turn from the lust of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it means to repent. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all.